Welcome into the Ag Spray Equipment Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Danley, and thank you very much for joining us. This is episode one of the Ag Spray Equipment Podcast, an introductory episode to tell you a little bit about what our intent is behind this, and also uh, have an interview with uh, one of our first industry guests, which I think you will find uh, very interesting here in just a little bit. But first of all, about the podcast. Everybody and their dog these days has some sort of podcast, and maybe that's what they're doing is talking about their dog or something that's going on in their world or sports or a crime drama. Well, what we're simply going to do here is is talk about our industry, and and that's the agricultural industry. This will not be a a sprayer podcast where we're going to get into the very intricate details of of what it takes to, to spray a field, although there will be times that we venture into those subjects. Ultimately, we want to use this as an information base to talk more about the agricultural industry, how it relates to the liquid application field uh, that we specialize in, but also the fertilizer field that that, that, uh, also, that we also specialize in, whether that be on the dry fertilizer side or even the anhydrous fertilizer side of it. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about new things in agriculture. So we, we've got a lot of different ways uh, that we intend to take this podcast. We won't, don't want to pigeonhole ourselves into a small subject and have to talk about that every couple weeks or week after week or whatever the schedule may become of this podcast. Ultimately, th- there's three main areas uh, that we will try to focus on in this podcast as it uh, continues to expand for ag spray equipment. First one being industry guests. So that might be somebody uh, that that is a current uh, um customer of ours, uh, a vendor of ours um, that, that we can uh, bring in and, and talk about uh, something that, that is happening in their world. Maybe it's uh, the person that that uh, heads up, uh, for instance, in, in the area of the country that I'm in, the, the sugar beets and uh, the people that oversee uh, places like American Crystal Sugar and their annual crop that they have and, and how that affects uh, their stakeholders uh, and how that crop uh, went this year. We want to talk about that or Maybe we want to talk to uh, some of our, our great partners that we have and our, our vendors uh, about, say, poly tanks. And we bring in somebody from uh, Norwesco to talk about the latest tanks and designs that they have for our customers to, to keep you aware of what uh, maybe some of the changes are out there in the industry. Or maybe we talk to uh, our partners at Hypro about a new sprayer pump that they've got coming out and, and what the advantages are of that. We're, we're going to keep it interesting uh, when we talk to those industry guests. And then uh, we've also got our own internal guests that we plan on talking to on this podcast. So we have got a very talented array of employees that work for Agsbury Equipment. And each one of our locations uh, has a, a different sort of employee uh, based upon the, the crops in that territory. So uh, what the knowledge base may be uh, for one of our inside salespeople or somebody that works out of, say, our Columbus location could be very different than uh, one of our employees that works out of the Dothan, Alabama location, simply because it's a different mix of products. It's a different crop that gets planted in those different areas. And it gives us an opportunity to hone in on those employees and talk about each one of those regions and maybe something that's fascinating that's going on there. I can remember uh, one of the first times I, I visited one of our southern locations, and, and you see cotton fields all the time on TV, but I had never physically been in one before and never had physically seen the harvest of that before. And that was fascinating to me. 
So we're going to have our own internal guests discuss things like that and talk about what's happening uh, in their regions as well as uh, other folks uh, inside our company that can help unveil new product offerings that we're going to be having. And we've got quite a few to talk about uh, here in the next year. Uh, our, our engineering team, uh, our product design team has been very busy at Agsbury Equipment, and we have got some uh, really great-looking products that are going to be coming out here in, in 2021. And then third, our guests are going to be information partners. These are people uh, in agriculture that don't necessarily sell us a product or we don't sell their product, but they are information partners that we certainly want to talk to about what they have to offer. And that might be something in the commodity market. That might be something just in the ag news department. It might be somebody that is the deputy director of ag for a certain state within the United States that we've got a location where something has changed and we want to talk to that industry person about how that affects uh, the world of agriculture and specifically uh, how that could affect Agsbury equipment down the road. So as you can see, podcast episode one, a lot of information being thrown at you, uh, but that's going to kind of be it for the explanation of, of our intent for this podcast. Ultimately, we want to keep it entertaining. We want to keep it brief. So you want to come back. I mean, three hour podcasts are great, but uh, I don't know if you're like me. I, I've only got so much time in the day, and, and I cannot devote you know, another hour to two hours of my day uh, listening to a podcast, uh, and I want it to be interesting. And that is our intent here, to try to keep this short, sweet, simple, and to the point. So with that, I want to take this opportunity now to welcome into the podcast Jeff Peterson with Heartland Farm Partners. Jeff, thanks for uh, taking this opportunity to talk with us a little bit and, you know, I guess, tell some of our listeners and fans of Agsbury Equipment uh, a little bit about Heartland Farm Partners and, and what you guys do there. Yeah, you know, it's it's a lot of fun, Jason. What we get involved in doing is we work with farmers uh, on helping them decide, you know, when's the right time to sell. And we put together a personalized plan for them because we know every farming operation is so different. And and we put that together and we watch the markets. We team them up with some great advisors to give them great personalized care. And then on top of that, we we watch those local markets for them. We help them decide not only when it's the best time to set that futures price, we also help them decide when it's time to move those cash bushels. And, and what's really nice about this, Jason, is that we can work with anybody right where they're at. So if they're using all cash grain contracts, no problem at all, we can work with them. Or if they're the most sophisticated individual using all futures and options, we have a plan that's personalized to them. So that's a little bit about us. You know, the thing that I like, Jeff, and, the, and the, what really pushed me towards this is uh, in my position as a, as a regional location manager overseeing, you know, kind of a territory here with Ag Spray Equipment and, and working with uh, either different customers and even our employees, I, I was trying to find just a one-stop shop where I could get updates kind of on a daily basis as to what was going on out there without me having to check this market and this website and this website and this website. And, you know, albeit my boss uh, said, well, hey, check these guys out. And he pointed me your direction. And I went, oh, thank God. You know, finally, if I've got something that I can get information in, in, a, in a compact form and very quickly. So that's, that's how I came across uh, Heartland Farm Partners and, and, and your, your daily emails that you send out and, and text message updates are great because uh, you can stay caught up throughout the week. So I, I do certainly appreciate what, what you guys do. I guess, as you could say, as a fan of your site, just to be able to uh, get information, you know, on, on the most basic level without having to, to go through all the hoops of, of finding out that that information. So you guys do a tremendous job over there. 
And I appreciate that. And and that's what we attempt to do. We we try to bring it across in a way that makes sense. I grew up on a family farm in Northeast Nebraska and agriculture is so important to me and had a chance to work in the grain industry uh, before starting up Heartland Farm Partners back in 08. And our whole goal is always to help individuals anytime they walk away from a piece of information that we have to learn more about the markets and to learn more about marketing. And we really are here to help educate and, and get people more comfortable with understanding this complex global marketplace that we're dealing with. Yeah, and we certainly, you know, appreciate what, what you guys have been able to do. So let's, let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what's happening out there in the grain markets and in the future. And as, and as we think about, you know, our customers for Agsbury Equipment, we range all the way, you know, across the country where, you know, we're, uh, we're dealing with, uh, with cotton in the south. We're dealing with uh, a whole bunch of stuff uh, once you get out to the, to the west side, whether, uh, you know, it, it be uh, in the beans and grapes. And then we get in here into the Midwest, and obviously we're in corn country and we're in soybean country. And I, and I think nationally, you know, most of our customers in some way, shape, or form kind of fall into that market of corn and soybeans. So let's, let's talk about corn first. And and what that export demand uh, for corn looks like, and, and really what your thoughts on, on you know the next 30, 60, 90 days of corn uh, looks like here uh, in the country. You bet. So as, as we take a look at corn, and, and corn exports have been really good. To give you an idea right now, you know, the demand side for the year to date, now the crop year to date, uh, keep in mind the crop year for corn starts on September 1st. So when we talk about that 2020 crop, it goes from September 1st of 2020 around to August 31st of 2021. And believe it or not, Jason, we've already exported uh, on the sales side 1.56 billion bushels. And that's actually out of 2.65 billion that is expected to get exported for the whole year. So that's 59% of the exports have already been sold. And, and, and the other thing that we're seeing, we're sitting kind of in the driver's seat. When I say us, it's the United States. Uh, right now, the United States is the cheapest corn out there in the world, and, and there's some problems brewing out there that we got to be aware of. And, and some of those problems are uh, Ukraine's been having some issues, and that's why we saw the big jump in exports in November in that WASD report. They were just too dry and just didn't uh, produce enough, and as a result, uh, their production numbers came down, and it's going to send some more bushels over to the United States on the export side. And keep in mind, they're the number four exporter in the world. And the U.S. is number one. And then we step over to South America and we look at Brazil. In Brazil, they've been dry. And mainly it's been because of the La Nina setup that's happening down there. And that's going to impact them a couple different ways. On the corn side, this first corn crop, this corn crop that's growing right now, it's, it's under less than ideal conditions. Just not quite getting enough rain. And that's usually the crop that they use for their domestic use. And then the other problem that these dry conditions that they're having, these dry conditions are really kind of focused in northern Brazil, in particular Mato Grosso. And in that particular region, it also gets to be an important area for them to plant that safrina corn crop, that second corn crop. But that corn crop won't actually get harvested until this current bean crop actually gets harvested. And then we'll get that safrina corn crop planted. But because they had those dry conditions, what's happened is it it's pushed back the soybeans when they were able to get them in the ground. It'll push back when they're able to physically get them harvested. And then the big problem that that causes is that 
South America, in particular the Mato Grosso area, they do end up with a, a dry time frame as you get out there in the you know into the June and July time frame. And what what that can happen on the safrina crop is that can mean they're trying to pollinate and and fill those ears in a drier period. And one of the things that's just popping up here lately um, down in South America is the fact that they're staying dry, but it looks like as we get out towards the end of the month, they could actually start getting some wetter, wetter conditions. And they've had some rain on and off in here, but not enough. But the potential problem the rain towards the end of the month causes is that that gets them at a time when they're going to start doing some harvesting. And if that pattern sticks around, then even though they really want the rain, it could cause them some problems with getting that crop off. So what does that all mean for the U.S. demand? Well, what that means is that there could be some additional export demand that we could pick up here in the United States because of that. And then in addition to that, Argentina, which is the number three world corn exporter, um, they're having some drier conditions, and we kind of expect to see some drier conditions come in down the road. And as a matter of fact, the latest WASDE report that came out on December 10th, um, they did lower, USDA did lower Argentina's corn production about 39 million bushels. So we can see that that dryness is already kind of taking an impact on what we're seeing on production down there. So that's that's kind of a few highlights on what's going on on the corn side, Jason. Yeah, I mean, and anytime that we start talking about corn, especially where I grew up as a native of Nebraska and then living in Minnesota and now in North Dakota, uh, whenever we mention corn, one of the next things that we start thinking about here recently is ethanol. And how is the demand for ethanol right now uh, across the country and across the world? You know, ethanol itself, we're, we're keeping a very close eye on that industry. That industry is so important to corn demand. And But a few things we're running into right now, we know the miles driven because of the stay-at-home orders and the situation with COVID. That's kind of hurt the ethanol industry. And give you an idea, kind of year-to-date, and this would be from September 1st till now, the corn that's went into ethanol is down about 6.6% compared to what it would have been uh, last year. Now, Part of the problem with that is that USDA is forecasting that number to be about 4.1%. So as a result, as we go down the road, we may have to go ahead and lower the demand side a little bit on the ethanol. The other thing we're watching really close, so right now, is that uh, the miles driven, we're concerned about that. And, and as a result of that, the demand on the gasoline side hasn't been as strong. There hasn't been a strong demand on the ethanol side. So the margins aren't real good on the ethanol industry. So we're watching that industry very close. If we start seeing some more tightening down on this because of COVID, then we could see actually those demand numbers on the ethanol side down the road decrease a little bit more even. So that's an industry we've got our eye on very close. Switching off of the corn, let's, let's talk about soybeans. Obviously, uh, throughout the Midwest here and throughout much of the country, soybeans, uh, a lot of, uh, of demand for those. And we, we've seen those, those acres change over the last couple of years. Uh, right now, since we've gotten through the harvest, obviously, in the states, what does the export demand in, in the future of soybeans look like right now? It's actually very bright. On the soybean side, already uh, we've, we've sold 1.943 billion bushels of soybeans. And uh, that's 88% of what the total numbers that USDA is expecting for the year. And, and currently, we're still the cheapest soybeans in the world. We know that uh, we'll have beans coming out of Brazil and then in Argentina here, you know, uh, later this month, first part of January is when they're going to get going. But because of that dryness that we talked about when we were talking about corn, that's kind of pushed back the start of their bean harvest. And so right now, the demand picture looks really good for soybeans. China continues to buy 
They're continuing to try to re rebuild their, uh, their, their swine herd. And as a result, they've got very good demand right now on the soybean side. So when you look at the soybeans, and, and you talked about the WASDE report, and that just you know came out a couple years, a couple days ago here. Uh, why didn't the USDA uh, increase the export demand for soybeans in that report? Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, USDA was looking at there is that anytime we look at the demand, there's always a couple questions that come up. One is, did people just buy sooner? And we talk about being at 88 percent. You can look at that uh, in sales of what we expect for the full year. You can look at that and say, wow, we're going to be really high on our exports, meaning we're going to see a lot more than what we expected. Or we can just say that, well, everybody just bought them sooner than what we expected. And so far, uh, USDA has, has decided to just say, you know what, let's make sure all these get shipped. Let's make sure not only the sales are on the books, but they get shipped. And as a result, they're kind of taking the reports that they think that, well, they probably just bought them sooner. So we'll, we'll keep an eye. We think down the road, though, we'll see some higher export numbers on soybeans, but we're just going to have to be a little patient yet. Well, now that the report is, is out of the way, you know, what will the, the corn and soybean markets be focused on here in, in the coming months? Well, there's a couple key things that's going to really be the core of it. And we've got some secondary items that become of greater importance down the road. But one thing we kind of got to remember is the speculative traders. And we, we commonly refer to them, Jason, as the funds. And they're long corn, 274,000 bushel or contracts. On soybean side, they're long about 183,000 contracts. Keep in mind, every one of those contracts is 5,000 bushels. And what that's telling us is that the funds, the environment that's created, they, they still want to own corn and soybeans. And, and they're looking for some higher prices down the road as a result of that. Uh, so we've got that environment that they're within, but then the key is going to be that South American weather and and seeing what kind of rains come into Brazil and come into Argentina to see what kind of crop. But then as we look further down the road, we, we have to look and keep an eye on the U.S. weather. In many areas, we, we had decent crops, uh, unless you happen to be a little dry, and there's definitely pockets out there, or unless you had a lot of wind, which definitely happened in parts of the corn you know, belt. But uh, so we got to make sure that we do get some recharge on this moisture, and that'll be a key thing watching. And then after that, there's this battle on acres. And, and why I say battle on acres is as we look out to this 2021 crop year, soybeans needs to probably add six, probably more likely seven million acres. And, and there's acres out there to get pulled in. There was over 10 million acres of prevent plant last year scattered across the Corn Belt. Normally, we'd see about 3.8 million acres. Back in 2012, when it was really dry, it got all the way down to 1.2 million acres. So there's probably, you know, 8 million, maybe 8.5 million if it's really dry acres. But, but soybeans has to get a majority of those acres. So we're going to see that battle developing on acres as we get closer to the planting season. So as we look at, uh, you know, the planting season in, in the upcoming year, you know, how is the best way to determine where the prices could be based on the, the current supply and demand numbers? I, I think that's something that you were kind of hitting on there with where our acres could be going up, which could be increasing our supply down the road uh, and, and where the current demand is. So I, I guess you take it. Where, where, where do you think prices could be based uh, in, in the future? Yeah, that's that's a great question and one we get asked often, but it's so important. And, and the easiest way for us to walk through that is that 
what we like to do is we like to say, based on the current supply and demand numbers, what's possible? And how we determine what's possible is we, we reach into that WASDE report that comes out you know, every month and, and we take that ending stock number. So if we take total supply minus total demand, we get our ending stocks, that pile of bushels that'll be left over at the end of the crop year. And then we divide it by the total demand. And what that tells us is that comes up with what we call a stocks to use percentage. Now, why that stocks to use percentage is important to us and how we use that, we then can compare from year to year, how did this pile of beans or corn, this leftover ending stocks, how does that compare to the total demand for each of these years? And the power in knowing that is that then we can start looking at in past years when we have different stocks to use percentages, what does that give us for price? and possible price at each of these different moments in time. And we do these estimations in and around the crop reports, which is usually around about the 10th of each month. And when we process those numbers through and we take a look at corn, what that suggests with the current fundamentals using the stocks to use percentages would be about 440 futures on the front futures. So on the front futures right now would be March. So we're about 422 currently. So you know it's undervalued compared to what we'd say the, the fundamental support. Now, when we walk that over to soybeans, uh, soybeans are tight. When we take that stocks to use percentage, that brings us in at about 3.9%. Just to put that in perspective, Jason, that's the tightest that the stocks of use have ever been in the December report. Mm. It's not the tightest that they've ever been when we compare it at the end of the crop year, but in the December report, it's tight. When we then apply that and look at what we've had for past prices, when we've been at a similar level on the stocks to use, that brings us in at about 13 and a quarter on the soybean side. Now, keep in mind, just because I throw those numbers out there, that's what current fundamentals would suggest. That doesn't mean the market has to go there, but that just kind of gives us a gauge and a way to kind of look at what we think is possible under the current scenario. And what we both know though, Jason, is tomorrow things will change and the day after they'll change. So we want to keep revisiting this information often. Yeah, if you could uh, plan this stuff out for uh, months and years in advance, you, you know, you wouldn't have a job. It would be uh, very <laughs> simple. Everybody would just have it figured out. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. He is Jeff Peterson with Heartland Farm Partners. Jeff, I appreciate you talking to us here today. Uh, go ahead, give us a big plug. How do people find out more about Heartland Farm Partners and get signed up uh, for those uh, daily emails that I get? You betcha. And uh, we really got some different ways you can do that. You, uh, if you have more questions, give me a call at 402-366-4694. That'll come right to me on my phone. And uh, But if you want to get a chance to sign up for that commentary that, that Jason really finds useful, go to our website, heartlandfarmpartners.com. Hit the sign up button. No charge for that. There never will be any charge for that commentary. You can get that by text or by email, your choice. And uh, you can also then have access to some of the other free commentary. Or if you're one who wants to go ahead and follow along on social media, go ahead and, and go to uh, Jeff Peterson 01 on Twitter. We uh, post a lot of content about what we're seeing going on in the markets there. Again, he is Jeff Peterson with Heartland Farm Partners. Appreciate Jeff taking the opportunity to come on with us here for podcast episode number one to talk a little bit about what's happening in the world of commodities out there. And, and we will expand our offerings of the people who we talk to uh, down the road as this podcast continues to progress. Now, with that said, we said we're going to keep this brief. My idea of brief on a podcast, less than 30 minutes. We have hit that number. 
So that makes me very happy and hopefully will make you happy enough to hit that uh, little follow button and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that be on Apple or Spotify or Google Play or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Like and subscribe and and tell your friends about this podcast as well because we continue to make it grow. Again, I'm Jason Danley. I'm your host of the Agsbury Equipment Podcast. Don't forget to check us out online at agspray.com. We've got nine locations all across the country that you can check out, whether that be uh, our location in Dothan, Alabama, Hopkinsville, Kentucky, also our Newton, Kansas location, Columbus, Nebraska, Bakersfield, California, Pasco, Washington, Tempe, Arizona, Mankato, Minnesota, or Fargo, North Dakota. Each and every one of those locations are out there to serve you and to uh, help you out with any of your liquid handling, liquid application, ag spray equipment needs. That's what we are here for. Again, online at agspray.com for episode one of the podcast. And everybody with ag spray equipment, I'm Jason Danley, wishing you a safe and pleasant day. Have a great one, everyone. Is a life can't decide in the blink of a night If I still live dreams ever come true but the dreams in my 